You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're thrilled that you're catching up with the message this week. Let us know how we can pray for you. To do so, you can head to our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org and scroll down to the tile that says Need Prayer. We'd love to stand with you and support you in prayer throughout the week. Let's dive right into this week's message from Pastor Megan Wood. Aren't you glad you showed up for church this morning? I know I am. Worship was incredible this morning. It was so good. So this week is Thanksgiving. Has everyone got their turkey bought? All their sides? Anybody going to be doing last minute shopping in here? I see a few half, halfway hands. Oh, there's, there we go. I see a few more of you. Yes, well, Godspeed. Good luck out there. I was out there yesterday and shopping, and it's insane. So good luck. All right. Well, you know, um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the Wood household for Thanksgiving. So we make all of the fixing the same things like that you probably all do. We have turkey. We have like three or four different types of potatoes. I don't know why we need so many potatoes, but everybody has like their favorite potato, so they all get made. And we have pumpkin pie and all of those things. But my three kiddos, who are on the autism spectrum, they have what you call a beige diet. That's pretty typical of children with autism. They love their beige foods. So we kind of have renamed it the Feast of Rolls at our house. because they love their rolls. And they're the same rolls we have periodically through the year, but something is special about them on Thanksgiving. They like the rolls and the sparkling apple cranberry cider. That is what they, they love. But we do the same thing probably as many of you do. We go around the table and we each take a turn at saying what we're grateful for. Does anybody else do that in here? Most of us probably, right? So as we're going around the table, we usually start with our oldest son. And he likes to keep it simple, brief. It's the same routine. He says every night for prayer, thank you, God. Thank you for God. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. That's his thing. Every Thanksgiving. And then it moves on to my son Moses. And Moses, usually, he'll take it a little bit deeper. So he'll say thank you for my parents. Thank you for my brother, my sister, thank you for my house, all of those things. And then it moves on to my daughter. And my daughter, Esther, it's like a story for her. She tells a full-blown story about what she's grateful for. And this can go on for a very long time. And she's thankful for every single toy. She's thankful for every single friend, every single classmate, every single relative. And it goes on. But then something kind of funny happens. Moses becomes a little bit competitive. So then he has more to add to his gratefulness. And then suddenly they're fighting over who is more grateful than the other. This is how it goes every year without fail. I feel like I should video it for you guys. We'll see. All right. So, you know, but the thing about gratitude is it's actually not a childish thing. And it actually comes from this deep place. It isn't just something cute that our kids do on Thanksgiving. It is something that is deep. 
It's part of who we are, and it's more than what we say, right? So, ironically, this wasn't actually meant to be a Thanksgiving message. I was scheduled to preach a couple weeks ago, and I just really felt like I was supposed to speak on gratitude. And then when I realized I was speaking this weekend, I was like, oh, it's right before Thanksgiving. So hopefully this isn't um, your typical Thanksgiving message, because I truly believe that if we understand the depth of gratitude, it will change our life, and that it will change who we are and the way we look at our world around us and our surroundings and our circumstances. See, gratitude can become shallow when we see it as an activity, not as part of who we are. So when we do the activity of saying what I'm grateful for, and that's what we focus on because that's what we're supposed to do, we miss out. Because gratitude should be something we feel deeply inside of us. I want to go through Philippians 4 today. We're kind of going to be jumping around in that chapter a bit today, so just stay with me. We're going to start in Philippians 4.10. says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. See, this is written by Paul to the church in the city of Philippi. And what he's talking about is the church of Philippi was a financial contributor to Paul. So what he's saying here is thank you so much for financially contributing to us. What's interesting is the next few scriptures where what he has to say. And so it says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every circumstance, whether it is with a or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So where it says, for I can do everything, it's talking about all those things that Paul just said. It's talking about every situation. It's talking about whether you have an empty stomach or full stomach, whether you have too little or have a lot, that he can do it all. When we go back up to verse 11, it says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Paul has learned how to be content. He's not wrapped up in his circumstances. His gratitude is deeper than his circumstances. He is an example to us of someone who can be content in all things. There's a couple of um, definitions that I want to read to you. One is from the Holman Bible Dictionary. This is what it says about contentment. It says, to be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. To be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. To be so happy with what you already have that you don't care about everything else. Then we look at the Strong's Dictionary. And this is taken directly from the Greek in that specific verse. And it says, a sufficiency of the necessities of life. Being okay with having what you need. We can learn from Paul's example. See, contentment is built upon deep gratitude. Contentment is built upon deep gratitude. See, Paul says that he's able to do all things, no matter what life throws at him. 
and that he can be content in every single situation. And what's interesting about this is this coming from a man who's sitting in a prison cell. I don't know about you, but if somebody's telling me how to be content in every circumstance and they're sitting in a prison cell, I'll listen to them. See, gratitude isn't just, isn't childish. It's not surface, surface, it's not shallow, it has depth. It's not like Thanksgiving. It's not the kind of gratitude that goes around the table fighting over bread rolls. It's the kind of gratitude that kept Paul content in all things. That type of gratitude. See, the Thanksgiving where we go around the table and we say what we're grateful for, that's not enough to sustain you in life and in every circumstance. It's not just something that we say. It's something that is felt deep in our being, something that we know to be true, and it comes from a sincere place. See, we see this when we look all the way back to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. He had a great deal going on, right? Have a few responsibilities. Eve was coming. You know, um, he could eat any fruit in the garden. But then there's verse 17. It says, Except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And as you know, Adam and Eve were tempted by what they didn't have. If they had had possibly a deeper gratitude for what they had, maybe they might not have found themselves falling into temptation. See, they had everything. And yet, even Adam and Eve found it difficult to have a deep gratitude for what they had, still looked around to what they didn't have. So I have a few thoughts about how, um, about our deep understanding of what gratitude is. First thing is, deep gratitude, it builds our trust in God. See, we reflect on God's faithfulness, and we use that as a guide through our challenges and setbacks in life. We see this actually time and time again in the Old Testament. We see them reflecting on their stories, on God's faithfulness, and using that to carry them through each season of their life. So there's a few scriptures I just want to rattle off that show this. It says in Exodus 13, 14, and in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 24. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. Psalm 145, 4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts let them proclaim your power and there's so many more scriptures that I can rattle off because this is important it's important that we understand God's faithfulness to us to show him the gratitude that he deserves that we don't get caught up in our current circumstances but that we can rest on his faithfulness to us time and time again and share that with others. See, 
my twins, actually, when I was pregnant with them, at about 17 weeks, we were told that they probably weren't going to make it and they weren't gonna be able to survive. I was told that they were gonna do a last ditch effort to save them by doing a surgery. But the surgery that they wanted to do, they said they don't typically do on someone who is as early as I was and that it had a very high chance of failing. And in that moment, I remember Tom and I, we had to go home, we were in the emergency room, we saw the ultrasound, we saw what was wrong in this ultrasound before the doctors even mentioned it to us. We went home and we had to sleep that night because I had to be up at the hospital the next morning for this surgery. And I remember there's just this peace that rested on me, a peace that didn't make any sense. And as we drove up to that hospital, our, my doctor, he was, he was kind of like a dad. He was standing there waiting for me and he said, okay, kiddo, come on. And he sat me down and he just was asked me how I was doing and he told me, you know, we're gonna do the best that we can. This is what we can do, but I gotta tell you, here's the chances and they were not good. And then he said, but we're gonna do an ultrasound before we get started. And he went to go do the ultrasound and as he went to go do the ultrasound, he looked and he could not find anything wrong. And as I looked at that ultrasound, I could see the difference between the two ultrasounds. And the doctor couldn't explain it. I said, I can. <laughs> I said, I was praying for this because I believe that God is faithful. And I believe these, are baby, these babies are his before they're mine. And you know what? As time has gone on, and obviously they're all well, they're here. You see them running around after service on Sunday mornings. They... I tell them this story. Tom and I share this story with them because we want them to understand God's faithfulness. We want them to understand gratitude, that they can be grateful for what God has already done for them and that he will do it again. And then it doesn't matter what their current circumstances look like. They can look back and see God's faithfulness and they can be grateful for it. Because I believe that if we can do that, then when we go through circumstances, we don't get stuck in them. We look back and we see what God has already done and we say, why wouldn't he do it again? This circumstance that I'm in isn't going to rob me of my peace. It's not going to rob me of my joy and it's definitely not going to take me from my gratitude. So... One is deep gratitude builds our trust in God. Second thing is deep gratitude changes your mind. There was this study that was done at Berkeley University. And what they did is they had three different groups of people that were going through counseling. And they had each group do something different. The first group, they asked them to write a letter of gratitude to somebody for three weeks. They didn't have to share this letter of gratitude. They just had to write it. The second group was to write about their deepest feelings and emotions about every difficulty and challenge that they have had. And they were to do that over the course of three weeks. And then there was a third group that didn't have to write anything. They just continued to go to counseling. And that first group that wrote a letter of gratitude found that they had much 
more, better health, mental health three weeks later, that it had significant growth in their mental health. There is something powerful about gratitude. It changes your mind. It helps you become a more of a happy person, more of a positive person, to have a more rounded viewpoint on your situation. One of the things I loved in that article is they had this quote, and it said, gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotions. If you're dealing with negativity, gratitude can change that. Because gratitude causes you to think on positive things. This is how you change your mind. This is how you find peace, is by giving gratitude. It will unshackle you from negative thoughts. So we have deep gratitude builds our trust in God. Deep gratitude changes your mind. Three, deep gratitude grows after loss. And we've all seen this whether it be in our life or someone else. When we've lost somebody or something, we become suddenly grateful for the little things. Suddenly, that person who cuts you off in traffic really doesn't matter anymore. There's so many things that don't matter because all that matters are the little things. I know this to be true in my own life. When I lost my brother, when he passed away, Suddenly, the only thing that mattered was every year I had with him. Every memory. It didn't matter the things that we fought about. It didn't matter all of the things that he had done to me growing up, which was a lot. But those things didn't matter in that moment because what mattered was the memories that we had. And what mattered is he was no longer suffering on this earth that he was in heaven. And those were the things that mattered because gratitude grows after loss. When Elijah received his diagnosis about six years ago of autism, I remember we were sitting in a room with a few therapists. Neither Tom or I really knew anything about autism at that point in time. And they began to rattle off all the things that Elijah would find challenging, all the things that he would find difficult. And I remember there being this feeling of loss because as you know, if you have children, as soon as they're born and you hold them in your arms, you think about their future and you think about every step they're gonna take, every word they're gonna say, every single thing in their life. And when they began to tell us that those things were challenging, I remember that there was just this heartbreaking feeling But you know what? Something incredible happened. Because we started to celebrate even the smallest things. We became so grateful for every little thing. In fact, I remember when Elijah learned how to use scissors in first grade. It was such a win. I was so excited over him being able to use scissors because he had significant fine motor delays and they had tried everything everything to help him with scissors. That was so exciting for us. And then only like a year and a half ago, he learned how to ride a bike. 
That was such a beautiful moment to watch him take off on a bike. We had worked years and years and years on teaching him how to ride a bicycle and watching him be sad when his friends would ride their bikes and he couldn't. And all of a sudden, he's riding his bike. So grateful. Because when you're faced with loss, you become so grateful for what you have. And every single thing counts, right? So deep gratitude builds our trust in God. Deep gratitude changes your mind. Deep gratitude grows after loss. Deep gratitude counteracts our worry. And we're going to go back up to Philippians 4 in the beginning. Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul is trying to help the church live in the same peace and contentment that he does. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he does. Remember, like I said, when he wrote this, he was in a Roman jail cell. See, we can combat worry by prayer and thanking God for all he has done. See, when we pray to God and we start thinking about the things that we're grateful for, suddenly our worries fade to the background. Because it starts us thinking, starts us reflecting on what he has done, on his faithfulness. See, Paul is contrasting worry and prayer. He's saying that if we pray, we have no choice but to give him pray, to give God praise and to reflect on his faithfulness. And it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. After we reflect and give him thanks, we will find peace. It's a promise. Then peace will guard our hearts and minds. Because when we reflect and give thanks, and we have peace guarding our hearts and minds, then suddenly those negative thoughts cannot exist. And suddenly those negative emotions also can't exist. And it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Focus on everything good, praiseworthy, 
Declaring the goodness of God is not denying the cause of your worry. It's just elevating the goodness of God. Paul is saying, if you do all of these things, if you pray, if you tell God your needs, if you thank God for what he's done, if you focus on the good things that are worthy of praise, then you will have peace. So if you're in here today and peace is missing, pray, tell God your needs, thank God for what he's done, focus on the good things that are worthy of praise, then you will have peace. See, contentment is built upon deep gratitude. There are things that can steal your contentment. One is taking people for granted. Another thing, comparisons. We compare ourselves with other people, or we compare our situations with other people's situations. Negativity. When we focus on the negative things and not on the positive, trouble seeing anything good. We've all been there, right? Where we wake up in the morning and we have a difficult time seeing what is good in our life right now. Those things can rob you of your contentment. But the good news is, is that contentment is built upon deep gratitude. So keep showing God gratitude, keep giving him thanks, keep praising him for what he has done. So if we have a deep gratitude, so if we understand deep gratitude changes your mind, deep gratitude builds our trust in God, deep gratitude grows after loss, and deep gratitude counteracts our worry, what would it look like if we embrace those things? Suddenly, when we wake up in the morning, it isn't just another day. It's a day that we're grateful for, that we woke up. Suddenly that job that we don't love so much, we're grateful that we have a job. For that car that keeps having to go into the shop, suddenly we're happy that sometimes it works. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, that for that child that is just very challenging, that we're grateful we have that child. There's so many things that change in your day-to-day when you're just grateful. And something really amazing happens when you do that. It starts to become automatic. It doesn't have, it suddenly becomes who you are, not something you're just practicing. It becomes the automatic response. When life hits you hard, suddenly you look at it and you reframe it and think, okay, what can I be grateful for at this point in time in my life? This situation, not so fun, but what can I be grateful for? So here are some ways that we can actually build gratitude. Communion, right? We just took communion a little while ago. Communion is a great way because it reminds us of what Jesus did for us. If we have nothing else to be grateful for, we definitely have a reason to be grateful for that, right? Reflection of God's faithfulness. So looking back, what has God already done for me? 
telling the stories of God fulfilling his promises, like we talked about in the Old Testament. So retelling those stories of where he, he showed up, telling them to others. Express gratitude and appreciation, just like the Berkeley experiment. Maybe you need to sit down and write a letter once a week of gratitude, one that you may never hand out, but just as a practice. As part of rebuilding our lives after loss, remember the good that you had. And sometimes that comes with tears, but it doesn't make it any less grateful. And then as Paul tells us, pray instead of worrying. So when you find yourself worrying, pray, give thanks. And then what are the things today you have to be grateful for? Ask yourself that. Even if it's just that I am breathing today, whatever it might be. So a statement that has really helped me through much of the circumstances and things in life that I've been through is, if God never did another thing for me, he has done enough because he is enough. If God never did another thing for me, he has done enough because he is enough. That is always true, always true. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. What he has already done is enough. We don't deserve any of it. And yet here we are, sitting in church, having this relationship with God that's all been made possible through Jesus. Something we did not deserve. He is enough. You know, it, despite our circumstances, despite our lack, despite what is going on in the world, He is enough. We can be grateful for that. You know, Tom and myself, we've been through so many different highs and lows in life. We know what it's like to face difficult circumstances. We know what it's like to have little financially, to have more financially. We know what it's like to lose our home, to have to move across the country, to have to face diagnoses, to lose loved ones. And I can tell you there have been times where we've done it well, and there have been times when we haven't done it so well. There have been times where we have, despite our circumstance, remembered what God has already done for us and said, you know what, it doesn't matter what this feels like right now, He's going to do it again. We just have to hold on. And then there have been other times where we've gotten bogged down in the circumstances and let it steal our joy, let it steal our peace, and let it steal our gratitude. But it doesn't have to. See, this is contentment and it's built on gratitude is when we understand that our circumstances change, right? They don't always stay the same. They come and they go. Because faithfulness is always here. And it always will be. So I know this has been, at least for me, I don't know anybody else. It's been a heavy week. Anybody else had a heavy week this week? I know some of you have because I've heard 
some stories and things of what's of what has been going on in some of your lives and so heartbreaking there have been so many just hard and difficult things this week has felt a little bit heavy heartbreaking so many different circumstances going on but I'm here to tell you that God is so good and he's so faithful because I know he was faithful yesterday, which means I know he'll be faithful today. And which means I know he'll be faithful tomorrow. And even when I can't see his faithfulness, doesn't mean it's not there. We're gonna go back into the song gratitude. And can I just tell you that the worship set today, I didn't know these were the songs they were singing and it just happened this way. So can we just call it a God thing? <laughs> so we're gonna go back into gratitude and what I want is the prayer team is up here. I want you to take this opportunity, we're not closing out service yet, to come up and to receive prayer. And if that's you, and you know what I love about that song is it just talks about singing hallelujah. Sometimes those are the only words we can get out of our mouth, right? Is just hallelujah or just Jesus. And I would love to see you guys come forward and to get prayer. If you're going through a difficult season where it's hard to see what you're grateful for, this is the time. I'm gonna come back up in a few minutes, but I want you guys to go ahead and take this opportunity. Why don't we just make it easier for everybody and if everybody just stands to their feet right now, and if that's you and you would like some prayer, we have made sure we set aside some time for you right now in service. Thanks for listening. For more resources and ways to get involved, visit our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org.